So I think my biggest piece of advice is if you are of the change making kind of caliber and you have an appetite for just not sitting with the status quo is realize that there's a time and a place and respect and humility is very, very, very important and knowing when to assert yourself and when not to. So doctor and failure don't usually go in the same sentence. But the reality is failing is an essential part of building a successful career, particularly beyond and outside of medicine. So the question is, how can we best use failure as a way to thrive when we're building careers that we love? And in order to address that question, I've invited the Dr. Ali Jaffe, who is this amazing human being. We'll find out a little bit more about her, but really how she used her experiences of failure, particularly when she failed to pass her medical school exams in the first instance, how she used that to build an engaging, credible, personal brand, and also how she founded a nutrition company that has influence throughout the world and a huge community around it. So if you are looking at building your career using failure, which, hey, we've all done it. Failure is an important part of this. Then stay tuned. Don't fear failure. It is a part of the process. But before we listen to this episode, make sure you join our community and all of the other insights I have to offer on medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission. Anyway, on to the episode. So let's get real. Our value as doctors has significantly diminished over the last decade. So how can we turn that around by upskilling and creating rewarding and impactful careers on our own terms? Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Baina Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million talented doctors with the best in diverse career opportunities. So introducing Dr. Ali Jaffe, who is a doctor, she's a patient, and she's also a founder of NutriTank, which is an innovative nutritional education platform for healthcare professionals. And she is blowing it up on social media, but anyway. <laughs> And I was saying, I basically noticed her on LinkedIn, which is my platform to go to. And I really, really love the way that she brings herself. She seems highly, highly authentic and open to LinkedIn and shares the story extremely well. And today's discussion point is about failure. So one of the things that Ali did very recently was listed all of her failures, um, which we will talk about today. And the reality is having doctor and failure in the same sentence is not common. But if you are looking at changing careers and really pushing through some of those barriers and mind and, and obstacles, it's so important that as part of your journey, you embrace failure so if you want to find more find out more about how you can best do that just have a listen to this episode so welcome Ali 
Hello, thanks for having me. And so good to finally connect. I know we've been chatting for a while on LinkedIn. Yeah, and it's taken yeah. about six months at least, I think, to get to this point. Well, but totally, totally worth it. To life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But anyway, let, let's dive, dive straight in. So, I mean, you have finished F2, you're post F2 now, but you have a huge amount of achievements to your name alone. So I want to ask you what really like drives you? So I would honestly say one word and that's passion. And I'd say it's always been like that because for me, I remember I always wanted to live a very big life. I had like a little affirmation I wrote on a postcard that I had on my mirror. Um, every single day I put my contact lenses in that said work hard, arrow, achieve, passion. And so I've always had this mindset of really wanting to achieve big things and lead a very fulfilling life. And I would never describe myself as overly disciplined or ordered and robotic. And you wouldn't want to hear my productivity hacks because I wouldn't say I have <laughs> I really have many. I am driven by my passion. Yeah. And I think it's quite complicated at times, especially I've had moments where I have burnt out and my self-care hasn't been great. And then that passion for the thing that you love is completely gone. So the passion has to be there, but you have to be nourishing yourself in many other ways because you're not going to be able to survive on passion alone. And I always used to have that toxic mindset when I was at medical school of I'll sleep when I'm dead. And that was very much um, proven wrong to me. And I hope it has been proven wrong to many people, the importance of sleep. And so I would say- Oh, yeah. (laughs) In a nutshell, passion is what drives me yeah. and allows me to keep wanting to push, push, push and like break the glass ceiling and push boundaries. Uh, it's passion that led us both here to this room yeah. today. And I don't think we would have found each other otherwise. And I, I think it'd be really helpful because obviously we're talking about failure today. One of the things that stood out for me was that you mentioned that you failed to get into med school yeah right and to actually admit that on or even to say it right anywhere is like it's a huge thing especially as doctors we're all like massive high achievers Mm. I can say I nearly also did nearly did not get into med school in the sense that my grades were you know I I have to say my grades were ABB right they weren't AAA or they were ABB and unfortunately I think for all of the um, universities that I applied for, I didn't get in. And it was only like last minute that Nottingham University offered me a place and didn't have any issues at med school, passed all my exams. And here I am today, still practicing in medicine. Um, But it could have been a completely different path, right? And in that journey, I've created a different path. So I'd love to hear from you, like, how how did you use that failure experience or those failure experiences to again to push through those barriers like why did you keep on going yeah I feel like I've always had to push through barriers and nothing I would say too dramatic because I acknowledge I come from a very privileged background so I wasn't pushing through barriers of having to be able to afford going to a good school and university, which I'm very grateful for, but I had to push through people's opinions of me. So in primary school, Mm -hmm. my parents were told that 
I wouldn't get into any of the good secondary schools. Um, and they told me to apply for pretty non-academic secondary schools because, I don't know, I just hadn't really shown them in primary school what I was worth of, what I was worth of. Uh-huh. And um, then in secondary school, I'd say that I was very much mid-range and the first time my teacher started to kind of pay attention to me was when I got my GCSE results which were like pretty good um nine A stars and one A and they they didn't expect that and so I surprised them and then I always knew I wanted to apply for medicine and then they were like okay yeah this sounds like you can really apply for medicine now so I selected the A levels that were appropriate for medicine and then um in AS levels I got A B C C and I I knew I wasn't going to do well in my AS levels I was completely distracted and um I remember I got my first boyfriend then and I just I I was complacent from good GCSEs and I didn't nip put in nearly as much work but still the failure really hit me hard um because I didn't expect it to be as bad as it was because that would mean that getting into medical school would be a hugely upwards uh, battle as as you know you need three uh-huh. A's uh-huh. and um at that time I'd also received no offers so I'd got um terrible ASs for medicine and I had no offers from interviews that I'd had for medical school so then going into upper sixth my last year of school was really daunting because my teachers were telling me not to bother applying for medicine Ah. and they said to me that they were just said to me that I should just go with my strengths and that was languages that was my my English literature A and they they really pushed back when I said no I promise you I know I it was my fault that I didn't do well in the AS levels I I didn't really work as hard as I know that I can I promise you I can do it and they just didn't believe me and I was like I'm still applying for medicine um it's my absolute passion I'll take a gap year it is what it is and then um I got I managed to do all the retakes to get three A's and I managed to get three interviews um which was three which was two more than I got first time round and was offered two places for medical school wow again so I really always say when I give talks in schools and speak to younger people applying for medicine is please don't be disheartened the first time it is so hard to get in and there's so many different reasons because for me it was double pronged it wasn't just it wasn't my A levels that were the issue the first time it was just me at interview because I didn't get the offers and then the A level issues came after that. Yeah and like you you know passion did leave you lead you here in the sense that passion gives you persistence and it kept you going because you had a big why right and and like we've 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 discussed this outside of this that you know you always had this interest in nutrition um I think you did you have it before you went to med school yeah so on the year out which I'm so grateful for and do Mm -hmm. believe that a lot of the time life happens for you rather than to you so when I couldn't join all my friends who were going off to university first time round and I was um kind of on my own um I was working saving up to go traveling and reapplying for medical school that was when I developed my interest for nutrition and just healthy living in general because I was 
yeah I was I was curious I had time I went traveling food was always fascinating to me and one way or another I started just reading more about um the evidence basis around nutrition to not only prevent chronic disease but also manage it and then I started medical school already primed with that passion for holistic mm-hmm. healthcare. and I mean you, you've developed a lot of skills very early on in your career and you've got a lot going for, like attached to your name in your own right and at this stage you're you're post f2 and one of the things we were again talking about earlier was a lot of doctors do struggle because of the hierarchy we see in healthcare, because of the fear associated with like having a voice or an opinion. Um, but yet you've really kind of created a really powerful and open brand for yourself. So how have you managed to navigate through some of those challenges, especially in founding Nutatank? So I think my biggest piece of advice is if you are of the change making kind of caliber and you have an appetite for just not sitting with the status quo is realize that there's a time and a place and respect and humility is very, very, very important and knowing when to assert yourself and when not to. So to jump into an example of that is I was on my penultimate placement, uh, my penultimate job of F2 in geriatrics. And I had just started on the ward, was on my first ward run with the consultant, very lovely geriatrician. She also happened to be my educational supervisor. So I knew she was a very lovely woman. It was it was really nice that we were able to work together. And I never had to call upon her for any pastoral support in my time in F1, F2, because I have a wonderful sports network at home. And luckily, um, from all the work I've done and the resilience I've built up, I was able to, I'd say, kind of thrive through F1 and F2. Um, obviously, there were bad days, but overall, I'd say I really enjoyed it. And so she didn't really know about my background. And I'm very open online with the fact that I live with clinical depression and um, I'm still actually on antidepressants. And I'd say I've been very stable for the last four years. And so she didn't know anything about that um, as I didn't need to disclose it to her. And we were walking past a bay of patients and we were looking at their drug charts and all the patients in that bay happened to be on antidepressants and they were elderly and frail and they didn't look, you, you know, too, too much like they were thriving. They were in hospital and um. she made some sort of biased comment around the fact that she was she kind of said something along the lines of, you know, we're so lucky as doctors that we don't get affected by mental illness like our patients do. Oh, don't need to be um on antidepressants. Oh, she's not heard of practitioner health then. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, you know, wow. we, we live with such purpose. We're always busy. We're very intelligent with a high IQ and EQ. Um, we are almost um exempt from it. And I like really, this, I'm surprised this, she was, was saying that. Yeah, this was this was literally the gist of what she said. And it came out of nowhere. It was myself and one other junior. She doesn't really know me either. And I was like, wow, this is shocking stigma, bias, just inaccuracy. I can't believe it. And I knew all the stats I could recite off to her. You know, a doctor takes their own life every three weeks. Look at the NHS practitioner health statistics and how oversubscribed that service is and all the charities that exist to serve 
nurses, doctors, other healthcare professionals, because on the front line, you are absolutely in an occupational hazard as defined by WHO. Yes. Essentially, you know, are the kind of, um, they are that they give the oversight on all of this working in aid work or healthcare or anything where it's risky and there's long hours and you're seeing suffering that is an occupational hazard anyways won't go into that too much but she said this and I was just like alarm girls going off in my head this doesn't sit well with me this doesn't sit well with me but I realized it's my first day on the ward and Mm. we were surrounded by patients I had about two months left in Mm. this hospital and I just I really didn't want the drama and nor did I really want I think to I think the reality is it sounds like she is in a bubble because she just doesn't yeah. know and I mean it, again that's not too uncommon in itself because I have seen lots it's of inertia. bubbles yeah yeah inertia. Inertia. Ex- exactly exactly and, and it doesn't make um, sense but clearly... I mean I, I I can only ask like what again what kind of generation was she from probably like 50s she, yeah she so I mean there, yeah. there is a gen- there is a generational change when it comes to knowing or speaking openly about mental health but also I mean especially being an educational supervisor I'm really surprised because she, she should be at the forefront I mean, of that the thing is, she, and cognition she was about that really lovely I think yeah she I'm sure she was quite die hard us and them it was you know it's all very nuanced it doesn't make her an unsympathetic person mm, I'm sure mm-hmm. You know, she is lovely to her patients, best bedside manner ever. But what it did do for me is it made me think I would never want to disclose anything to you, which is a huge problem for uh-huh, juniors who uh-huh, are going through uh-huh. issues. But just yeah. the point being is that that's a great passion of mine talking about mental health, doctors, mental health. And in yeah. that moment, I did not deem it as appropriate, uh-huh. even though in another kind of situational context, I would have liked to have challenged her on it, but I do believe yeah. that there is a time and a place. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas there have been other times where a doctor will talk about saying to a patient, when I've heard a doctor say, you should go gluten-free. And I literally say to them, what is your evidence for that? Why are you telling your patient to go gluten-free? Something, you know, when it's something um, inaccurate in say, I'm hearing a doctor give nutritional lifestyle advice, I challenge that um, in an appropriate mm-hmm. way because mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about it and um, slightly less sensitive than talking about mental health, especially in that environment. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very much about challenging things, but in an appropriate way with humility and understanding and not demonising the other person's opinion. And mm-hmm. I guess that stemmed from starting out on the Nutritank journey very early on in medical school and being in positions of having to pitch Nutritank to our faculty, to our seniors who all taught us very early on in our career and hear their feedback criticism skepticism and still challenge it and also take their feedback and improve upon I think that I think that's really great advice and insights as well because it, it as you said like you really do have to pick your battles and sometimes hold your tongue but also open up a conversation because at the end of the day we only know what we know and if someone does come up with a slightly or somewhat inaccurate or seemingly insensitive comment it's I think it's more to gently challenge in a way that doesn't make them necessarily feel like feel embarrassed and again that and that itself is a skill and I think especially in like a high pressure environment like you know in healthcare and NHS it can be really challenging but I would I would welcome everybody to start having some of those really open or at least attempt to have open conversations because actually that that is what changes culture and the way things are done it changes systems 
I absolutely, yeah, and I absolutely agree with all of that. But I would add the nuance that it depends how much you have in your tank. And I remember oh, yeah. that particular day, I did, I did, yeah, it, it would you be in my choice. nature to challenge it. I did not fancy, I did not have mm-hmm. the energy or the kind of, uh, I just didn't have the the grit and the gumption that day to challenge it. So it's all about, and the same with like allyship and things like that you know it's all about calling out bad behavior and challenging yeah. things but you have to also put your own oxygen mask on first and if you don't have the energy to get into that debate or whatever then absolutely yeah, i mean i remember place. i remember very clearly and i always quote this i remember sitting through um a trust wide board board meeting more like a multidisciplinary meeting but like big wigs this was a while ago during the ebola crisis and um they were talking about the potential of having travellers or uh, UK nationals coming back to the country uh, with Ebola. And they were talking about like, what's the response and what they needed to set up in the trust. And one person just happened, just mentioned what we, how, how are we going to manage this with all of these uh, black people? We can't find their veins. And so it's going to be really difficult to cannulate them. And we just don't have the skill set available, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, oh my god, that's like the, the most blatantly racist comment I've, I've never ever I've heard. Also, I've never heard that issue in my life. But then, but then, but then, I, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I, mean, yeah, I sat through this meeting. I, I didn't say a word. And I thought, I just, I thought at the time this is absolutely ridiculous, but didn't say anything. Again, it's like you know, how much do you have in the tank? Anyway, last question. Yeah. So growth is about embracing a lot of failures. So I felt a lot. <laughs> outside of medicine more than anything else like I'm very used to like do an exam pass it do an exam pass it right outside of medicine building a business uh building a a, a persona personal brand failure 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 learning lots of learning but lots of failures and finding it very difficult to kind of really embrace failure and work through that but you just have to get used to it so I'd love to hear from you what what how would you define failure and what advice would you give to doctors who are looking at ways to grow their careers um but are worried about getting it wrong because we see a lot of times it's not quite perfect so I shouldn't do that or I'm not I don't know what I'm going to do so I'm not going to go for it or I'm going to try and do a load of different things and expect that one of those is going to work out somehow yeah <laughs> that's what we see a lot and of that's, that's where I'm at the moment I'm doing I'm all about variety. You are doing a lot of different things actually yeah I, yeah I've got my finger in a lot of different pies I'm like let's see which one let's see which one's a success um mm-hmm. because I'm I'm not quite a perfectionist mm. so I think I find it a bit more um I find it easier to fail in a way because I actually I never really expect perfection I really wasn't like that school either like when something was finished and I had enough of it I read it through. I did obviously overthink things at times, but compared to perfectionism that I see in medicine and academia, I'd say that is one thing I'm definitely not. Um, mm-hmm. So that helps me, I think, to fail more and fail more gracefully with, you know, more curiosity and with more self-compassion as well. I think the like the key thing I would say is there's amazing diagram and there's a diagram with it's basically a before and an after and it's just a grid and you see lots of ticks, 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 which signified the successes. And then it's the after, which are the ticks all in those same grid places, but there are crosses all around them. And that's the part of the grid that you don't see. And that's what people present to you on social media, in a job interview, 
in an award ceremony, whatever it is, you are seeing the successes, but you don't see the before. When you go to a bakery and you see all the beautiful cakes that are sitting there um, waiting to be bought, you don't see all the flops and all the failures. And so I think it's so important about normalizing it and actually having senior leaders in particular talk about their failures when they were younger but also right now in their very senior positions because we shouldn't be putting anyone on a pedestal and we shouldn't be thinking that we can't do anything so I think it's so important that failure is and human fallibility is just spoken about from the get-go in med school in any internship in a corporate job to normalize it and to also allow you to really get into that mantra which I use every day is life happens for you not to you and to really be able to own the failures Uh reframe a meaningful message that will only help you succeed and learn more so um for me my failures have honestly taught me so much more than anything else I've done (laughs) so I'm very grateful for them and it's not to say they're not hard and we shouldn't have toxic positivity and you know sometimes we can't say everything happens for a reason sometimes things are just crap and it takes a while to move on but a lot of the time I do think failures can teach us the most and we have a culture where people find it so hard to start something Uh because they're so worried about failing Uh and all the people we put on a pedestal and you know like extreme athletes Federer whoever it is um we see their successes and we're really we envious their of their failures. successes but they've actually failed way more times than we yeah. have because they've yeah. won way more times than we have so it's all a payoff and I think it's all yeah it all comes out in the wash yeah absolutely and I think that's a really great uh point to end it with and so if you are changing careers and you're worried about taking that first step yes you will fail but that means that you're closer to your goal So just try and fail as many times as you can and enjoy them because it means that you are getting closer to whatever your dream career is. And it's important to remember that. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ali. And she has left the building. (laughs) So if anyone wants to get in touch with Ali, um, you can find her on LinkedIn or Nujitani.